Welcome to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, presented by the Fairfield Inn and Suites, Waco North, a touchdown of a hotel. This episode, Drew Pearson's Greatest Moments. We chat with Drew Pearson about the greatest plays in his tremendous career with the Dallas Cowboys. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast presented by the Fairfield Inn and Suites, Waco North. I'm author and oral historian Jackson Michael. Drew Pearson made number 88 famous in Dallas Cowboys folklore. He also made some of the most treasured plays in franchise history. He played in 22 playoff games and made at least one reception in every single one, a record that stood until Jerry Rice played in his 23rd playoff game. Drew Pearson was inducted into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in 2010. He was kind enough to sit down with us and go over his brilliant career at a TriStar production show recently. He shared deep insight into the Hail Mary game that you won't want to miss. And many of you longtime Cowboy fans will remember the touchdowns he scored to beat Atlanta in the 1980 NFC playoffs. And he talked about the game-winning touchdown in that game as well. And even some fantastic stories from his rookie year of 1973. Stories from training camp, the regular season, and the playoffs. Drew Pearson grew up in South River, New Jersey, and attended South River High School. You could say he was destined to play with the pros even in high school. He tells us about his first ever reception in high school, a pass thrown by another well-known future NFL player. I started on the varsity as a uh, sophomore. This is a big deal for South River. First pass I caught in high school was a touchdown pass from Joe Theisman, Theisman back then. And it was 60-yard touchdown, and I caught it standing in the end zone. Joey was scrambling to his left and threw it on the run. And I'm standing there waiting, waiting. 60 yards. That's the only pass I caught that day, so I had a 60-yard average. <laughs> Pearson noted that his high school football team owned a 9-0 record, and six of those games were shutouts. You may have noticed that Drew mentioned Joe Theismann went by Theismann at the time. And that was true before Theismann went to Notre Dame, where Theismann rhymes with Heisman became a catchphrase. Pearson added that both he and Theismann played multiple sports together at South River High School. Then in basketball, we were in the backcourt. And in baseball, he was shortstop and I was second base. And then when he left, I moved to shortstop. And then my senior year, I played center field, my natural position. After Theismann left for Notre Dame, Pearson took over as quarterback in his junior season at South River High. When Joey left, I replaced him at quarterback. That year we finished 6-2-1. and one. It was all county and all that. But then my senior year, we finished 8-0-1. Oh, we tied New Brunswick on Thanksgiving Day at Rutgers Stadium, 7-7. Seven seven. And we were like number three in the state at that time. So they were happy with the tie. And in the newspaper, the next day, it had a caricature drawing of a ram, which we, we were the rams, and a zebra. They were the zebras. And it's like kissing. Then the headlines read, a tie is like kissing your sister. 
said I would never let football or a game hurt me like that again. And I held true to that until we played the uh, San Francisco 49ers in that uh, 81 championship game. Dwight Clark made the catch. We'll talk more about the 1981 NFC Championship game later in the program because Drew Pearson almost won that game. After high school, Pearson played college ball at Tulsa. He played both quarterback and receiver. He wasn't drafted after his senior year at Tulsa, and he said he had offers to sign with the Green Bay Packers, Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Dallas Cowboys. He tells us why he chose the Cowboys. So to Tom Landry and the history of free agents making their roster and their proximity to Tulsa. According to CBSSports.com, the minimum salary for a rookie NFL player in 2021 is $660,000. Drew Pearson filled us in on what he made as a rookie in 1973. My salary was $14,500. My signing bonus was $150. I got paid my signing bonus in cash, 720s and a 10. 720s and a 10 brought number 88 to Dallas, but he still had to make the team for that $14,500. We're going to run a mile in Drew Pearson's shoes as he takes us through his journey from Dallas Cowboys rookie camp to making the roster. Remember, these are stories from when he's just a kid from New Jersey, fresh out of the Missouri Valley Conference, who the Cowboys signed for $150. Plus, Dallas still has Bob Hayes on their roster. They drafted receiver Golden Richards in the second round of the NFL draft and they had just traded Ron Sellers and a draft pick to Miami for receiver Otto Stowe. So while Drew Pearson is now one of the most beloved players in Cowboys history, at that time, he was just another free agent they invited to rookie camp. Then you had the rookie mini camp. You thought you were special until you got to that rookie mini camp in Dallas and there's about 100 other rookies there. And I ain't exaggerating. And uh, that was Gil Brandt's philosophy. Throw as much up against the wall as you can and see what sticks. And when I went to training camp as a rookie, it was a whole week of rookie camp. Every day was two days. Meetings in the morning, meetings at night, practice twice a day. And what he was trying to do, he was trying to see who can handle it. And he put us through the rigors, man. I mean, it was worse than boot camp. I made it through that rookie week, and at the end of that week, there was 50 of us left. They cut 50, and half of them quit because they couldn't handle it. So Drew Pearson made it through rookie camp. He still had a mountain to climb just to make the team. He told us how he first got on Coach Landry's radar at the Cowboys training camp in Thousand Oaks, California. We had the CLC scrimmage, which they have every year out there in Thousand Oaks. They still have it. The blue and white scrimmage, offense against the defense. The place would be packed, standing room only. And in that scrimmage, when I finally got in, I made a crackback block on this guy named, I think it was Bill Drake, safety. And I just annihilated him. The running back came off of that and got a big gain and all that. 
in that scrimmage, I didn't catch any passes. And I'm just playing football. That's my assignment to block him, come in on a crackback. That next night, Sunday night, we get in and watch the film of the scrimmage. And everybody would watch the film together. Offense, defense, because Coach Landry wanted to make sure everybody was accountable to each other. In that film session, going over that scrimmage, he signaled me out for that block. He called my name in front of the whole team, and he said, this is what I need in wide receivers. You know, we got a block, downfield and all that. And so that got me another week in training camp. The Cowboys played their first preseason game against the Rams. Coach Landry tagged Pearson to return kickoffs and punts. Drew tells us what happened the first time he ever touched the ball for the Dallas Cowboys. It was on a punt return. We were playing the Rams in the Coliseum under the lights. Probably played any games at Tulsa under the lights. So the first time they punt, I'm back there. I look up, ball hits my pads and it goes right through. They recovered at the 50-yard line. I got on one knee, looked to the sideline. Coach Landry looking, shaking his head. I said, oh man, I'm cut. I'm gone. So we stop them in another series. And now they got to punt the ball again. And Coach Landry sent me back out there. And this time I caught it and took it 59 yards down the sideline. It got knocked out at the one. The guy came across and knocked me out of bounds. But that, again, gave me another week in training camp. A 59-yard punt return bought Pearson another week in training camp after a fumble jeopardized his chances. That's life for a rookie trying to make an NFL team. Next up was a preseason tilt against Miami. Then we break camp. We're playing the Miami Dolphins at home. I'm sitting there on the sideline in awe of Paul Warfield, one of my heroes. Anyway, it was a preseason game. He didn't play much. They were whooping us, and uh, we went in there at halftime. Coach Landry said, we need a spark. We need somebody to step up and give us a spark. So we go back out there. They're kicking off to us. I'm returning kicks. I take the kickoff, start up, break it out, go 53 yards up the sideline. <laughs> and uh, gave us the spark on that drive. We end up scoring a touchdown. So what did that do? Gave me another week. Pearson's roommate was another rookie vying to make the team, defensive end Harvey Martin. Pearson and Martin would get together and cross people's names off the roster sheet after they were cut. They hoped that the two of them would get listed on the Cowboys' final roster as Dallas entered its final preseason game. Then we get to the final preseason game in Houston, and I'm on the sideline, put somebody else in there for punts, put somebody else in there for kick returns. I'm getting no game, but here we are in the last quarter. Craig Morton's the quarterback. He snaps the ball. And my job is to run a post pattern. And Craig threw it. And there's no way I'm going to get it. I'm too far out there. So I'm running, 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 running. Stick that hand out. Bam! Stuck right there. Brought it in. <laughs> 50 yards. 
But it's ironic when you look back how I kept making these plays, you know, in games to show I can play in the NFL. Undrafted from Tulsa. Pearson certainly proved he could play in the NFL. But that's not the whole story. The rest of the story is probably going to surprise a lot of you. I know it surprised me when Pearson told the story. And I didn't know this at the time, but Gil Brandt told me later that the Cowboys put me on waivers. They pretty much cut me. And the Chicago Bears claimed me. And that was another reason why I went with the Cowboys, because their system was so respected that if you got cut there, there's a good chance you're going to get picked up by somebody else. And so Chicago Bears claimed me, and the Cowboys had 24 hours to make a decision to reclaim me, and they did. So the Cowboys put Drew Pearson on waivers. That's how close the future Hall of Famer came to not playing out his career as the famous 88 in Dallas. The rookie out of Tulsa might have made Tom Landry's roster, but he certainly didn't have it made. He says making the Cowboys didn't necessarily mean you represented the team on the sidelines on game day. When we played home games, if you weren't playing in the game, Coach Landry didn't want you on the sideline. You had to go upstairs to watch this game from there. <laughs> so it's kind of humiliating. You know, you practice all week. You can't even stand on the sidelines. So my thing was to uh, make myself valuable in other areas other than wide receiver and uh, did it via the special teams. Special teams gave Pearson the opportunity to contribute. Otto Stowe was the Cowboys starting flanker followed by Mike Montgomery as his backup. Things changed after Otto Stowe went down with an injury at Philadelphia in week seven. I'm playing the Philadelphia Eagles up in Philly. He's blocking for Calvin Hill. Calvin Hill lands on his ankle jams it into that hard turf and messes him up. Not only messed him up for the rest of that season, but messed him, he couldn't recover. That ended his career. That, that vet ended Michael Irvin's career and it ended Otto Snow's career. That's how hard that field was. Then the next week, we're playing the New York Giants and Mike Montgomery now starting at wide receiver and he pulls his groin. So there's no one left but me. I'm a third string guy on that side. Golden Richards, Bob Hayes, they're on the other side, the wide position. I'm in the wing position, which is the strong side. 1973 was a tremendous journey for Drew Pearson. From a $150 signing bonus, to rookie camp, to making a play on an overthrown ball, he traveled a long way just to make the Dallas Cowboys 1973 roster. Late in the season, injuries gave him an opportunity to start. Over the next several years, he would make some of the most iconic plays in team history and one of the most famous plays in NFL history. We'll go over those great moments when we return to Drew Pearson's greatest moments on the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, presented by the Fairfield Inn and Suites, Waco North. Cowboys, you're listening to the Texas Sports.
Sports Hall of Fame podcast. Enjoy it. When you come to Waco, be sure to stay at the Fairfield Inn & Suites Waco North, located just a short distance from the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. You'll start your day off with a delicious complimentary breakfast, and you'll also enjoy the Fairfield Inn & Suites free Wi-Fi, fitness center, and pool. Next time you bring your team to Waco, make the Fairfield Inn & Suites Waco North your home base on the road. Welcome back to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, presented by the Fairfield Inn & Suites Waco North. When we left off, Drew Pearson just gained a starting role with the Dallas Cowboys after Otto Stowe and Mike Montgomery suffered injuries. Now I'm starting, and all I wanted to do was have not a good week of practice, a great week of practice. Uh, Because I wanted the coaches to have confidence in me, and I wanted my teammates to have confidence in me. Quarterback Roger Staubach threw one pass to Pearson against the Philadelphia Eagles at Texas Stadium. Pearson caught it on a 12-yard out route. The next game was against Miami on Thanksgiving, and Pearson made seven catches for 71 yards against a defense that eventually won the Super Bowl that year. It's all inside routes, all getting decked and all that. That's when his reputation came. Drew zone, okay? He'll go over the middle. The Drew zone. Going over the middle, one of the most dangerous places in the NFL, especially for a receiver. Pearson wasn't just a big play down the sideline type player. He was tough enough to go over the middle. He continued to impress through the rest of the 1973 campaign. He grabbed five catches for 140 yards and scored his first two NFL touchdowns against the St. Louis Cardinals in the regular season finale. My first NFL touchdown was a corner route. I ran on Dwayne Crump. Roger hit me in the back of the end zone, did the toe dance, touchdown. The second touchdown was a post pattern on the other side, and this was on Roger Worley. And see, This was big to me because as a kid growing up, me and my brother, we collected football cards and we would like use them on the field and position them and everything. But Roger Worley card always stood out because nobody knew how to pronounce his name. You know, the way it's spelled, you know. (laughs) And so now here I am up against him. The Cowboys made the playoffs in 1973, and Drew Pearson went from undrafted rookie to starting against the Los Angeles Rams in the NFC Divisional Playoffs at Texas Stadium. Pearson's hard work and success in the regular season earned him the trust of quarterback Roger Staubach. In his first ever playoff game, Pearson caught two touchdowns. I caught a touchdown in the first quarter. Quick five-yard out, beat Charlie Stoops, the cornerback. Gave the ball to the cheerleaders instead of spiking it. And then late in the game, we were ahead by one point, 17-16. They kick off to us. We mess around, get bogged down on third down. Roger tells me on third down, he told Bob Hayes run a good post pattern and clear it out. Then he told me to run a post pattern on the other side. And the last thing Roger said when we broke the huddle, 
He said, Drew, I'm going to you all the way. You going to me all the way? What about Bob Hayes? He's the world's fastest human. So we ran the post pad, and I know when I came off the line of scrimmage, first thing I noticed, I'm double covered. I'm thinking Roger's not going to throw it here. Maybe he'll throw it away and we'll have to punt. Maybe Doomsday can hold him. We win the game, move on to the next round of the playoffs. But Roger decided to throw this ball anyway. And he brought it. I mean, he brought it. He didn't get enough credit for his ability to throw the football tremendously hard. But not only that, with tremendous accuracy. And when he threw that ball to me on the post pattern, I mean, it was a rope. And they thought they could step in front of me. Eddie McMillan on the outside, Steve Priest on the inside, they thought they could step in front of me to make the interception. They misjudged it. The ball zipped past them. They collided with each other. Now I'm on the 50-yard line. Bam, it hits me right in the chest between the double eights. Turned and ran into the end zone. 83-yard touchdown untouched in my first playoff game. <laughs> My mom couldn't believe that was me. Nobody could believe that was me out there. Pearson showed he could be counted on when the stakes were high. He furthered that reputation on Thanksgiving Day, 1974, against Dallas's top rival, Washington. Roger Staubach left the game after a hit from linebacker David Robinson in the third quarter. The Cowboys trailed 16-3 at the time and brought in rookie Clint Longley at quarterback. Pearson caught a 50-yard touchdown with 28 seconds left in the game to rally Dallas to victory. When you make plays in clutch situations, it gains the confidence of the team and the coach as well, so they go to you in those situations. So in 74, I caught the uh, touchdown on Thanksgiving Day from Clint Longley. The Dallas Morning News quoted Pearson as saying that he told Longley that he would fake outside and go deep. Pearson beat the coverage for the winning score. Drew Pearson's most iconic moment came the next year in the 1975 Divisional Playoffs at Minnesota, otherwise known as the Hail Mary game. The Vikings had won the last two NFC championships. Pearson caught the game-winning touchdown from Roger Staubach on one of the best-known plays in NFL history. The Hail Mary catch wasn't the only huge play Drew made on that drive, however, and the Hail Mary wouldn't have happened if Pearson hadn't made a catch earlier in the drive. Pearson was gracious enough to thoroughly walk us through the key moments of the drive, which the Cowboys started on their own 15, with a minute 51 left in the game, trailing 14-10. to 10. Pearson's going to walk us through the entire Hail Mary catch in a moment, but I'll first take you through a couple of important plays on the drive. On first down at the 15, Staubach threw to Pearson, who picked up nine yards and got out of bounds to stop the clock. On third and one, Staubach eluded Vikings defensive end Carl Eller and hit Pearson again to pick up the first down at the Cowboys' 31. A low shotgun snap on first down put Dallas in a precarious position. Staubach recovered the snap, but it was second and 17 with only a minute left in the game. After two incompletions, it was fourth and 17 with the season on the line. Who did the Cowboys throw to with the season on the line? Drew Pearson. 
He caught the ball on the sideline at the 50, beating defender Nate Wright with a counter route. Pearson told us the story of the 4th and 17 conversion that kept the Cowboys season alive. See, with Minnesota, because they were so experienced, it worked against them because you knew exactly what they were going to do and they weren't going to change. And we knew we can run those routes on Nate Wright as opposed to Bobby Bryant on the other side because they played a prevent defense, but when you came in their area, they picked you up man. And so that's why the counter routes were working on Nate Wright. If I ran them on the other side on Bobby Bryant, you can jig and zigzag all you want. He's not looking at you. He's looking through you to the quarterback. And he's going to jump the route once he sees that quarterback throw it to you. So counter routes didn't work on that side. But we knew that and we did everything on Nate Wright. So Dallas specifically had Pearson run that route on that side of the field, knowing how the defensive back would respond. The play gave them a first down on the 50-yard line. Pearson takes us into the huddle for the first down play following that fourth down conversion. We get back to the huddle. We had no timeouts. We called another play. And uh, it was actually a swing pass to Preston Pearson. Because Roger asked me, what do you got? I said, Roger, I got no breath. And so he threw that swing pass and ended up throwing it to uh, Preston Pearson. And Preston, with that turf out there, he stumbled. And in stumbling, he ended up dropping the football, which stopped the clock. That left Dallas with a second and 10 on the 50-yard line with about 30 seconds left in the game. Pearson again takes us into the huddle, the huddle for the Hail Mary. And Rogers said, let's take some shots to the end zone. But we had no timeouts. If we catch it in the middle of the field, they're the Vikings. They're all old. They're all savvy. They hold you down. You never get another playoff. He told me to run a turn-in takeoff on Nate Wright. The in route was our bread and butter at that time. So we knew Nate would bite on that, thinking that we're trying to get a first down and stop the clock, hurry up and run another play. Staubach took a snap from the shotgun formation, pump fake to his left, and turned to throw deep to Drew Pearson on his right, with Pearson racing against defensive back Nate Wright in man-to-man -man coverage. The rest, as they say, is history. Pearson walks us through the play that resulted in one of the most famous touchdowns in NFL history. So we ran the in route when I felt him, I broke it back, broke it deep. And when I broke it deep, you know, he spun around. We were even neck and neck. That's all I wanted because I expected the ball to be thrown out there. And then I had that other gear I shipped in to go get it. I was fast to the football. The only other guy he told to go out on the play was Golden Richards. He wanted to run a post pattern on the other side to hold Paul Krause to that side. Paul Krause, the NFL's all-time interception leader. Still, most of these interceptions were overthrows. So he wanted to hold him to that side. So Roger pumped him. He bit, 
and that left me man to man on Nate. And so by the time he brought it back to me, I was way downfield and I saw it was going to be underthrown. Came back, did the swim move, get inside position on Nate. You got to use your outside arm to do that. If you use your inside arm and you turn, you're right there. You use your outside and then you turn, bam, you're right to the ball. Coaching point. That's why they're claiming push, because there was contact when I brought my arm around, but there was no deliberate push. We're playing an NFL playoff game. There's a lot of intensity, there's a lot of emotion. I mean, he's running downfield as hard as he could. Some of you will remember that after Pearson scored the touchdown, he hurled the ball over the scoreboard and out of the stadium. He shares that story with us now. And the reason I did that is because the night before the game, I always envisioned myself catching the winning touchdown. And I told Harvey Martin, who was my roommate, I said, if I catch the winning touchdown, or if I catch a touchdown, period, in this playoff game, I'm going to throw the ball in the stands. Because that was so taboo back then. The league didn't want you to do it. They fined you $150. But it was on national TV, and I said, I'm going to do that. If I score a playoff game, they might let me slide. The league did let Pearson slide on the fine and he thinks it's likely because the ball went into the parking lot and not the stands. The throw let Pearson show off his arm a little bit as well. Remember, he was a quarterback in college, and he even threw three touchdowns in the NFL during his career. The Hail Mary touchdown, the signature play of both Drew Pearson's and Roger Staubach's careers, lifted the Cowboys into the 1975 NFC Championship game. They beat the Rams in Los Angeles for a right to play in Super Bowl X. Pearson scored the first points of Super Bowl X with a 29-yard touchdown reception from Staubach. Staubach retired after the 1979 season, but Drew Pearson continued to make clutch plays for the Dallas Cowboys. In the 1980 NFC Divisional Playoffs, the Atlanta Falcons led the Cowboys 27-17 with just over six minutes left in the game at Atlanta's Fulton County Stadium. Dallas took over at their own 38. On first down, Pearson caught a pass from quarterback Danny White for 15 yards. Two plays later, Pearson caught a pass for 24 yards. And two plays after that, Pearson caught a 14-yard touchdown pass to pull the Cowboys to within three points. Dallas still trailed by three when they got the ball back with a minute 48 left to play. Pearson scored the game-winning touchdown with 42 seconds left in the game to give the Cowboys a 30-27 victory. It was his second touchdown in three minutes. Pearson remembers the game-winning touchdown for us now. Danny was going to me all the way on that. I read the blitz, made the right adjustment, and Danny threw it before I even looked. He knew where I was going to be. That's how tight we were and knowledgeable we were about our offense. You know, nowadays, new coordinators, new systems, new head coaches. You don't find a guy playing 11 years with the same system. 
At the beginning of the show, Pearson talked about the heartbreak of the 1981 NFC Championship game, frequently known as the catch game because of the famous catch 49ers receiver Dwight Clark caught from quarterback Joe Montana. What's often forgotten is that Drew Pearson made what I like to call the catch after the catch. On the Cowboys' very first play after the famous touchdown, Pearson caught the ball over the middle at the 50 and looked to be on his way for a touchdown with about 45 seconds left in the game. Pearson talks about what might have became the second most famous play of his illustrious career. Yeah, I uh, made a catch over the middle and I thought maybe I was gone. But uh, Eric Wright, that would be a horse collar now. He grabbed my jersey and then he reinforced it by grabbing the shoulder pads and he yanked me down. I beat double coverage on the play. Danny White threw a great pass between two guys to get it to me. And after I caught it, I thought it was clear sailing. I didn't think another guy would be back there. And apparently Eric Wright dropped off a Tony Hills route and uh, followed the quarterback and the eyes brought it to me. So that's how he was able to be where he was in position to make that tackle. As Pearson pointed out, 49ers defensive back Eric Wright made a horse collar tackle, which was legal at the time. Otherwise, history might be talking about Drew Pearson's catch rather than Dwight Clark's catch. Instead, the Cowboys lost a fumble on the next play and lost their chance for a game-winning field goal or a game-winning touchdown losing by a mere point in the 1981 NFC Championship game. The early 1980s Dallas Cowboys were a great team with two excellent receivers, Drew Pearson and his teammate Tony Hill. Pearson spoke about the chemistry and respect the two receivers had with each other. I averaged 16 yards a catch in my career. Tony Hill averaged 16.8. We prided ourselves in getting downfield and making catches. Everybody talked about the go-to guy. Now, we had no go-to guy. The go-to guy was whoever the play was called for at that time. That was the go-to guy. And so Tony and I never competed like that. We wanted the ball, no question, but we wanted the win too. That was the main thing. I played 11 seasons. I played in seven NFC Championship games. I was one game away from seven Super Bowls. As it turned out, Drew Pearson played in three Super Bowls and won a ring for Super Bowl twelve. He earned a place on the NFL's 1970s All-Decade team and as a member of the 2021 Pro Football Hall of Fame class. He was inducted into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in 2010 along with Dallas Cowboys founder, Clint Murchison. He talked about what being a member of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame and being part of that 2010 class means to him. It means a lot, you know. It means that I did the trifecta. New Jersey from high school, Oklahoma from college, and Texas from the pros. You know, so I went full circle. But. The best thing about going into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame when I went in with my class, it was an excellent class, was that Clint Murchison 
was in that class. And what made it special is Clint got inducted before me. M came before T. And I didn't want to go in before him because if it wasn't for Clint Murchison, none of us would be Dallas Cowboys. Drew Pearson spent his entire career with the Dallas Cowboys. He was the receiver America's team turned to in the clutch, regardless of whether the quarterback was Roger Staubach, Danny White, or even Clint Longley. He was a tremendous teammate to his fellow Cowboys and endeared himself to the fans in Dallas and even those of rival teams. From an undrafted rookie to one of the most important players in the history of the Dallas Cowboys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast. Be sure to visit the Tom Landry Theater at the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in Waco, stocked with many historical Dallas Cowboys items. When you come to Waco, be sure to stay at the Fairfield Inn and Suites Waco North. It's a touchdown of a hotel. A special thanks to Drew Pearson for interviewing for this podcast. And also, thanks to TriStar Productions. <laughs>